You may have caught the women's final over the weekend at the Australian Open. It was a doozy. Two absolute powerhouses just slugging it out. But you may have noticed that the winner wasn't allowed to display her national flag. Arena Sabalenka, now crowned the Queen of Melbourne after her win, plays for Belarus, which, along with Russia, is wearing the consequences for Russia's war in Ukraine. Now, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has called on the IOC to outright ban Russian and Belarusian athletes from next year's Summer Olympics in Paris. He's threatening to boycott if the sanction is not applied. So, how do these sanctions work? And is it the place of sport to underscore political lines? I'd love to know what you think on this issue. You can text me on 0418 226 576 or tweet me at rndrive. Dr Steve Georgiakis is a leading researcher in the history and sociology of sport from the University of Sydney and he joins me now. Welcome to RN Drive. Good afternoon, Sarah. How are you? Well, thank you. Now, the old cliche is that sport brings people together. Is that actually true? Look, sport's always been political by its very nature, but um, since the emergence of modern sport, we have institutions such as the Olympic Games, um, more so the FIFA Men's and Women's World Cup, and of course international tennis, which are supposed to be apolitical. That is, uh, their role is to try and unite the world um, through sport. So we saw FIFA, FIFA has now banned Russian clubs and national teams from its competitions, including uh, the recent World Cup in Qatar. What effect does a ban from uh, major international sporting events have? Look, historically, bans do work. And if we have a look at some of the, you know, more well-known bands such as the uh, rugby bands of South Africa, they do put a lot of pressure on the home country. Um, and, of course, this is the idea now with Russia. The idea is that if we ban something that they love, and, of course, the Russians do love their sport, this will put more pressure on Vladimir Putin to, to fold or to reach some some kind of an agreement there with the West. So they do work. But on the flip side there, they also have the um, power to galvanise the, the, the country that feels bullied by external forces. So it's a, it's a two-sided issue there. We've got some text coming in on this topic. David from Western Sydney says, sports excluding warlike nations is promoting peace. What do you think of that? Uh, like, like I said, there's, there's two points to be made here. The first point is that, you know, we have international sport as being a mechanism to unite the world. Um, nobody likes any wars, and I'm a pacifist, but I do believe in the power of sport uniting the world. And the second point to be made is that if we really want to stop the war in Ukraine, um, there should be other mechanisms to do it. It's not the function of international sport to be international peacemaker or policeman. We have seen players uh, on the Australian tennis tour, for instance, uh, competing under the neutral white flag if they're usually flagged from Russia or Belarus. Does this measure still send the same message without banning those athletes altogether? 
Look, I think it's, I mean, Tennis Australia was put in a very difficult position because if we, if we have a look at banning uh, Belarusian or um, Russian athletes there, I mean, Elena uh, Rubikin is from Kazakhstan, but actually her, she was born in Russia. So she's got Russian roots there. She um, did, Zabalinka, she, we should say she did swap to play for Kazakhstan well before the Russian invasion of Ukraine about five years ago, I believe. But, that, but that's the whole idea of this boycotting. And, um, I mean, there's lots of Russians and lots of Russian athletes who were very much against the war. Um, she, she could, be, she could rep, be representing Kazakhstan and be pro-war. Like, we, we don't know. It's like murky waters. And, of course, Tsitsipas's mother represented the USSR. In fact, uh, his grandfather won a gold medal at the 1956 Melbourne Olympic Games. So what does a white flag mean? A white flag is something which is used to, to appease both people that um, believe politics and sport should mix and politics and sport shouldn't mix. So it's uh, t- taking a two-way bet. Mm, we'll get to that politics and sport mix in a second. But um, just more on the Australian Open, what does the treatment of Novak Djokovic's father during the Australian Open tell you about the broader narrative at play here? Look, it's a, it's a very, very complicated issue. Uh, for a lot of your listeners who don't know, um, NATO and the US were responsible in bombing Serbia, which is the home country of uh, Novak's father, more than 20 years ago. Um, the press is always looking for some kind of uh, an opportunity there to make an issue of something. And really, that's the whole issue with mixing politics, well, international politics in sport, it takes away from actually the sport itself. We really shouldn't be interested in, you know, Novak's father and what his beliefs are about the war in Ukraine. We should be focusing on the sporting abilities of his magnificent son and actually the sporting tournament itself. If not banning athletes, as Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has called for in the context of next year's Summer Olympics, what are the other mechanisms available to sporting authorities if they want to make some sort of conscientious objection beyond a white flag? Well, the conscientious exception will be that the athletes will be allowed to represent at the um, Paris 2024 Olympic Games under this so-called idea of a white flag. Um, I don't believe that the athletes themselves... Um, will be banned from participating for a number of different reasons, uh, both political, economical, and, you know, the one that I'm really passionate about, this whole idea of the notion of sport being completely um, apolitical. As the Ukrainian president implores the International Olympic Committee to ban all Russian and Belarusian athletes from next year's Olympic Games, sports historian and sociologist Dr Steve Georgiakis from the University of Sydney is looking at the effectiveness of such decisions here on RN Drive. I'd love to know what you think about this. You can text me on 0418 or tweet me at RN Drive. Steve, the International Olympic Committee reaffirmed last week that no athlete should be prevented from competing just because of their passport. So that's sounding like they're looking for a pathway for athletes, Russian athletes, Belarusian athletes, to participate in Paris next year. Would you expect Ukraine to follow through with its threat of a boycott? 
Look, I, I, I don't know how to answer that, and I, I don't know the answer to it, but, but what I will say again is when the, the modern Olympic movement was established, they had this, uh, a central part of it was this idea of having what they call the Olympic truce, and supposedly one week before the opening ceremony and, and one week after the end of the Paralympic Games, the idea is that we cease wars during the Olympic period. Um, so I can't answer that, but what I will reaffirm once again is this, this idea that we've somehow fallen into this belief that sport should, you know, dictate world, you know, world problems. And I think that's very problematic, especially for us as Australians who really have sport so dear to us. Should our desire for sport trump all, though, and is it completely pointless to even try to keep politics out of sport? Sport is inherently political. It's nation versus nation. One, 100%, but, but now are we going to be choosing the... Um, you know, the, the wars or the issues to, to deal with. I mean, who makes a decision on what, on, on who can and can't be part of the Olympic Games? Is the war in the Ukraine more important than, say, the war in Myanmar or Ethiopia that we hear very little about? So well, that would be the point that I would make. Well, Brett has texted in. He says, absolutely ban them. Russia and others have exploited the Olympics to their advantage. Putin is now acting as a criminal. Make it hurt. What do you say to that? Has Russia been using the Olympics to sort of, to their advantage? Look, look, they obviously have, but like I said, I don't want to come across as someone who's pro-Russian or pro-Putin. I, I don't think it's the the role of sport to do these things. These are about international diplomacy and, and um, you know, the world coming together to, to address the issue of conflicts around the world. The issue of banning Russian athletes at various sporting events, I think, is, is, a, is a simplistic way of addressing the issue. And, and like I said, where, where do you stop? You, you, okay, you ban the, the Russian athletes and the Belarusian athletes and, you know, what happens if we're involved in a conflict uh, with one of our neighbours? Um, where does this all end? And, of course, where it ends is um, international sport becomes meaningless. It's not really about brotherhood and bringing people together. But, of course, it's very political, but it shouldn't be the institution that deals with international political conflicts. That's, the, that's why we employ politicians to deal with that. <laughs> um, just finally on this, Steve, what, okay, I, I, I take your point that you don't think this should happen, but if Ukraine chooses to boycott next year's Summer Olympics, what impact will that have on various sports and on the international community? Look, if you really believe in something, and, and obviously Zelensky believes that this is an important step to make, and by making this point that this will, um, you know, help his nation in their struggle against Russia, well, you know, he, he should do it. But, but I'm, I'm more interested in, you know, having an outcome in Russia well before, you know, 2024 in Paris. I think we would all like to see an end to the conflict well before then. Dr Steve Georgiakis, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Bye.
Dr Steve Georgiakis is a senior lecturer of pedagogy and sports studies at the University of Sydney and he's the author of Sociology for Physical Education and Sports Coaching. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.